Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're so glad to see each one of you here with us together today. I know some of you, this is your very first time at Arise. Some of you came to see Boo be baptized this morning, or maybe you came to see Mallory baptized, or came to see Dominic baptized. Maybe you just came and you didn't know where you were going this morning, but you came here, and we're so glad that you're with us today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see it on the screens behind me. It was on our invitations that we were passing out. We're celebrating living hope today, hope that is alive because Jesus is alive. It's not a dead hope. It's not a, it's not a, a, a lost hope. It's not hope that has been dashed. It is hope that we can take great confidence in because Jesus is alive. And I'm so glad that you came to be here with us today. And if you're visiting with us, we have a little gift for you. Maybe you got a bag on the way in, but if you missed that somehow, we'd love to give you that on your way out after the service today. We have a little gift with a book in there called Paid in Full. The truth is this, we all have a debt that we cannot pay. And uh, debts are a problem, right? Debts keep you down. Debts keep you from going forward. And our debt is a sin debt. And it's before God. And Jesus Christ paid that debt in full for you. And this book will explain more about that. Or you may say, I already know about that. Well, it may be an encouragement to you then and something you can pass along to somebody else as well. We want you to have that. There's also a little gift card in there. Uh, one of the ladies in our church works over here at, at the Charisma Car Wash. And they have four different locations around town. And they've given us some free washes. So you at least you came to church and got a car wash. That's not why you came, I hope. Because there's much more important things here today. But maybe that'll be a blessing to somebody. And uh, so you can get that in there. Also, you'll find our connection card. And in this, is just a way that we want to be able to connect with you. I've tried to shake hands and greet as many as I could. And I'll be doing the same thing after the service. But we'd love to be able to pray for you and encourage you. And uh, if you would be willing to share a little bit of your information with us, we're not going to pester you or bug you. we just like to co contact you and thank you for attending our service today and be available to help you any way that we can. So if you don't mind filling out that card and uh, when the offering plate comes at the end of the service, putting that in there, or maybe as you leave, giving it to one of the ushers, we would love to be able to connect with you better that way. I am so glad to be able to celebrate this special day. And as a Christian, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection every Sunday, really every day, but this is a special day. Because as you look back in history, as you read the story of Jesus Christ and His death and then His burial and His resurrection, we know that that came right after the Passover and that was just this past week. So today is a special Resurrection Sunday. And so we're glad that you've chosen to be with us here today. And I, it is my prayer that this service is a help to you. Because as we sing the songs this morning, they're not here to glorify us. This isn't about just a show or checking the box. Well, I made it to church on Easter Sunday. You know, I at least did that. No, this is a time where we can come and hear from God. And if we leave from here the same way that we came in, then this probably has just been a waste of time. But if we've come in this morning to hear from God's Word and to hear from His Spirit, 
I believe God will speak to your heart and help you this morning. If you're here this morning and this all is just kind of new, you were drugged here by somebody else or asked to come and you said, this is kind of my first time doing all this. It seems very unusual. I'd ask you just to listen, not to hear what the choir is doing or what I'm doing. Hear from God this morning. As we open His Word, as we sing His praises, this is all about Him. It's all about Jesus. And so we're glad that you're here today. Let's take some time now to pray and ask the Lord to bless our service this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. The only reason that is worth being here today for is because Jesus is alive. If it weren't for Him, like the Apostle Paul said, we'd be of all men most miserable. We'd be wasting our time here. Yes, there might be a social gathering, an event, some, some car washes given out, some, some people greeting and smiling, but we would go away just as empty as we came. And Lord, there may be somebody here today that has come, and they came pretty empty inside, maybe completely empty. Lord, I pray that today, through your word and your spirit, that you would move in their heart. Help them to know how their joy can be in you and their joy can be full. That they can have living hope because of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the one here who is a believer already, but they're struggling. They may have their smile on this morning, but if they were honest, inside, they're discouraged. They're depressed. Life has burdened them down. I pray, Lord, today that you would encourage them, lift them up, renew their hope in you. Lord, thank you for all that's been done through Christ to make this day possible. We've been celebrating it now, the church has, for close to 2,000 years. Lord, we look forward to celebrating it until Jesus comes again to take us home to be with Him forever. Lord, this world is not our home. If I've learned anything in this past year, it's that this world is not our home. Lord, there's not a whole lot here to get excited about sometimes. But we're here today because we're excited about what Jesus did for us and what He continues to do for us and even the home that He's even now preparing for us in heaven. Lord, bless our service now. Work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to listen now as we have a, a testimony from a man who just last year came to Christ and was baptized here at our church. You listen now. My name is Chase. Um, I started coming to Arise in September, shortly after I was saved. And this is my story. Before I was saved, I was a mess. I was caught up in a workspace religion, trying to earn my salvation. I was reading the Bible under conviction of my sin, but I had an incomplete picture of the gospel. I was trying to be what I thought God wanted me to be in the hopes that I would make it to heaven. I knew I was commanded to love God with all my heart, but I didn't and I couldn't think of a reason to tell other people about Jesus. Last May, uh, a 77-year-old Iranian woman 
showed up on my Facebook newsfeed, um, and she was giving the gospel, and she was highlighting the point of the gospel that I was missing, um, which is that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. And I had heard this before, I had seen this before, but this time it clicked in a way that it never had. And a few months later, I trusted in Christ and I was saved. Now that I'm saved, I do love him. And I tell him all the time, and I wanna tell others about him too, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, came to the earth in the flesh and he lived a perfect life, a life that we never could, and willingly went to the cross and took the punishment that we deserve. He died and was laid in a tomb, and on the third day he rose, that we have a living Savior, and that he offers salvation to us freely as a gift. The resurrection to me means hope and peace. It means that Jesus is who he says he is, he accomplished what he came to accomplish and that I am saved.
Thank you, choir. Demands my soul, my life, my all. What a great sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, and He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose again, and He's alive today. Just as He said that He would do, He kept His promise. A promise that we couldn't keep, but He kept it. He's alive. Praise the Lord. Our boys and girls are dismissing out to their junior church time out through these double doors if you're not sure where to head. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm so glad that you're here today. All of the testimonies, all of the message this morning, the music, all of these things are about living hope. What is hope? Is hope just, well, I hope that he gets done preaching quickly so that we can get to lunch, right? That's hope. Hope, well, I hope this week at work will be better than last week was. What is hope? Well, the dictionary defines hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. Last year, it's amazing to think all that's transpired in the last 365 days, but last year at this time, we, I was preaching only to a camera. And I was saying things like, well, I hope this coronavirus thing gets over quickly. Well, what was it supposed to be, two weeks, a month, maybe by summertime? Well, here we are. We're still living in this crazy world. Some of you are saying, well, I hope I could get back to the office quickly. And you're still working on Zoom, right? I didn't even know what Zoom was. And I've spent more hours on Zoom than I would like to think about. 
some of you as well. So what is hope? Well, it's important. I think we would all agree. Hope is important. Hope is good. And hope can encourage you. But think about this with me this morning. Your hope is only as good as its object. Your hope is only as good as what you are hoping in or who you're hoping in. If you put your hope in something that is false or uncertain, your hope may very well be lost. There's a lot of people walking around in our world today whose hope is lost. It's it's empty. In fact, you might be here this morning and you say, to be honest, I really don't hope in much of anything anymore because I've had my hopes dashed so many times, it's just not even worth it to hope anymore. You look at somebody who's still hoping in things as well. You know, they're just the eternal optimist. I'm a realist. Why should I hope in anything? I don't know all of you personally. I don't know what you're hoping for today. But this morning, I want you to introduce you to somebody or at least remind you of someone that you can place your hope in. And if you'll place your hope in Him, it is a hope that can never be taken away. It's a hope that can never be lost. It's a hope that will never leave you empty because you can have a living hope this morning, a hope in the one who is alive, a hope in the one who, yes, He did die, but He's alive today. And your hope in Him can be a living hope that will never, ever pass away. Let's talk about Jesus this morning. You're there in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're able, I would invite you to stand with me as we read God's Word this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. God's Word says this, Blessed... Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto, here it is, a lively hope. That's a living hope. That's a hope that is alive. Begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Lord, help us now. Help me as I do my best to proclaim your truth this morning. Help me to say only what you want me to say. Pray that your word would come through clearly and that you would change hearts this morning. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, the message is very simple. On the theme, living hope, a lively hope. The things up here on my podium are so lively this morning, they almost leapt off. Let me get situated here. Living hope. 
I want you to notice in verse 3 that we just read that living hope is made available through God's abundant mercy. Living hope is made available through God's abundant mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. It's you standing in a court of law, having broken the law, and the judge looking at you and saying, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm not going to give you the punishment that you deserve. And the verse here of Scripture that we just read speaks of God's abundant mercy. That means a whole lot of mercy. Mercy that doesn't run out. Mercy that's just dumped out all over us. That's God's abundant mercy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto, there it is, a lively hope. Peter is the apostle who penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we know from our study of Scripture that Peter was writing to a group of believers who had faced some very difficult times. These were people who had been persecuted for their faith. I mean, we're talking thrown in prison and put to death just because they wanted to believe in Jesus and worship Him. That doesn't sound right. People ought to be able to worship whoever they want to worship without threat of anybody persecuting them for it. But that's what these people were facing, and that's what they had gone through. And Peter's writing here to give them great hope, to encourage them. And I love how he starts this verse out. Blessed. He's excited. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter has something to be excited about. He has something to be encouraged about. Peter has hope because of Jesus Christ. Our hope, living hope, is made available through God's abundant mercy. I want to read to you a few verses of Scripture that speak about God's abundant mercy. Some of these may be familiar to you. Some of these you may have never heard before. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth. His love toward us. That means God demonstrated His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I said it this way in our Friday evening service. Jesus Christ didn't just die for His friends. Jesus died for His enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 3 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. People love to, and I'll include myself in this, we all love to compare ourselves to those around us. You know what I'm talking about. We see it happen out here on the road every day. So we're driving along and all of a sudden you go, what's that guy's problem? Where did he learn how to drive? And we begin comparing ourselves to other people very quickly, saying, she's not as good of a driver as I am. I, I don't know what's wrong with them. Sometimes we turn on the news. Careful, I, I may be getting out over my skis a little bit this morning. But we turn on the news and we see those talking heads or we hear the politicians say, so what's wrong with that person? 
What a crazy person. What are they thinking? What are they talking about? It's easy to find somebody else to compare yourself to that you are better than. But the reality is this, that we've all fallen short. You can look at the person next to you. You can watch the person on TV. You can see the person driving down the road. It doesn't matter who you look at. You're comparing yourself to the wrong person. Because compared to the person of Jesus Christ, you and I, all of us, have fallen short. That's why we need His abundant mercy. Abundant mercy. If you're trying to feel good about yourself this morning just because you're comparing yourself to everybody else around, say, well, I'm, I'm better than her. I, I'm better than him. I've never done anything like that. My friend, this morning, you have fallen short. Some people say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Now listen, at risk of offending you, I want to quote the words of Jesus Christ himself when he said, there is none good but God. So if Jesus says you're not good, then you are not good. You may feel really good. Jesus says you're not. I'm going to believe Jesus over what you say. That's not to me be offensive to you. I just feel like I need to tell you the truth. Jesus says you're not good. I'm not good either. I'm not standing up here in front of you because I'm good. I'm here this morning because He is good. Because our hope is in Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That means He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. If it were not for God's mercy, His abundant mercy, you would have no real hope. Your hope would, might be in your hard work, might be in your good works, might be in all the money that you give. Your hope might be in the fact that, well, I'm better than that person, but that's not real hope. That hope will pass away. My friend, this morning you can have living hope if you'll place your hope in Jesus. Peter had something to be excited about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because of His abundant mercy. Jesus' death was God's love on display. The Bible's very clear. It says that the wages of sin is death. That means to pay for your sin, you have to die. Did you know Jesus was the only one that didn't have to die for his own sin? Because he never sinned. Now you might be saying, wait, wait a minute. Jesus didn't have to die for his sin. Then why did he die? Why do we have crosses in churches? Why do we sing about when I survey the wondrous cross? Why do we talk so much about his death? Why did he die if he didn't have to? He died because he loved you and he loved me. He died in your place so you don't have to. His abundant mercy. 
mercy. Living hope is made available through God's abundant mercy. Number two this morning, I'd like you to see with me that living hope is made possible by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was made available to you through His abundant mercy. It's made possible through the resurrection. Here we are on Resurrection Sunday morning. Can you imagine with me what it must have been like to be one of those ladies who came out early one Sunday morning, bringing the spices which they had prepared, coming to put them on the body of the Lord Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Mary his mother, these other, these other ladies, you think of the sorrow that they had gone through for the last three days. As they thought about the one whom they loved. The one that they had seen tortured, beaten, bruised. His beard torn out, the crown of thorns pressed down upon his head. He'd been nailed to the cross. Imagine what those hammer sounds must have been like hitting those nails into the cross. They heard him cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They'd seen it go dark. They had felt the earth tremble beneath their feet. This one that they had seen feed thousands of people, they had heard his teaching. They heard him talk about being the resurrection and the life. And yet now he was dead. I can't imagine that feeling of emptiness and loss that they must have felt. Probably you've lost a loved one, and that leaves a huge hole. But can you imagine? I mean, I think that's the closest we can come to picturing it. But this was even more because of all who he had promised, all that he had promised, and all who he said he was. And here these ladies came, grieving sorrowfully to put those spices on the body of Jesus. And when they got there, the stone was rolled away from the tomb. As they went inside, his body was nowhere to be found. They didn't run around jumping and cheering. No, in the moment, the Bible says they were much perplexed. They didn't know what to think. What had just happened? What had taken place? And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that there were two men in, in shining garments. These angels appeared to them and said to these ladies, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said he would. He kept his promise. He rose again. These ladies couldn't believe it. They ran to tell the other disciples. The disciples didn't believe it either. They came running. Peter and John came running all the way down to the tomb and ran inside to look, and they couldn't find his body either. Later, Jesus appeared to some of these disciples in the upper room, but there was one disciple, a guy by the name of Thomas, although we've given him a nickname now, right? Do you know what it is? Doubting Thomas. 
because he wasn't with the rest of the disciples when Jesus appeared to them. And so later when they told Thomas, hey, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I can take my finger and put it in the nail prints of his hand and take my hand and place it in his side where that spear went in. I can't believe it. Won't believe it. Thomas doubted. Why? Because Thomas knew that Jesus had died. After all the torture that Jesus had gone through, after hanging on the cross for hours, in fact, the Bible tells us the Roman soldiers came along to break the legs of Jesus. See, they had broken the legs of the two thieves that were being crucified on each side. And we know this from studying history as well, that when they would crucify somebody, as they hung on the cross... Their, their lungs would be compressed because of the way in which they were hanging. And so they would use their feet to push up on just to get another breath, just to hang on a little longer. And there are accounts in the history books of people who lasted for days being crucified. What a horrible, horrible, awful way to die because they would keep on breathing. So they would break their legs so they couldn't lift themselves up and they would die from lack of oxygen. But the Bible tells us when they came to Jesus... They didn't break his legs because he was already dead. He was already gone. He'd already given his life. When they took that spear and thrust it into his side, the blood came out and it was already separated. The blood and the water were separated. Why? Because he was already dead. They then wrapped him from head to toe in burial clothes, even around his face, and then placed him in this tomb and sealed the door. There wouldn't have been any air in there, any way to live for three days, especially with all that he had gone through. Jesus died. Thomas knew it. Mary knew it. Mary Magdalene knew it. John knew it. Peter knew it. All the disciples knew it. He was dead. That's what makes the resurrection even that much more incredible. Thomas doubted, but then Jesus appeared to him. And he said, Thomas, I want you to take your hand, your finger and place it in the nail prints in my palm and take your hand and put it in my side. And Thomas, he bowed down before Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. He knew Jesus was alive. You see, we have living hope this morning and it's made available, yes, through the Abundant mercy of Jesus Christ, but it's made possible by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His disciples, they'd been hiding in the upper room. The ladies came down to put the spices on his body. But when they came, the tomb was empty because Jesus was alive. What an incredible moment. Jesus had died. They had watched it happen. They knew it had taken place. They heard him cry out, it is finished. They knew he had been buried. And yet, here he was alive. Boy, we love great comebacks, don't we? Some of you have been watching some college, college basketball the last few days. Everybody loves a great comeback. But my friend, there's no sports comeback that can even hold a candle to the comeback that Jesus made as he was dead, as he was buried for three days, and he rose again, victorious over sin, victorious over death, and he is alive today, and we have hope, living hope, because Jesus is alive. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope and the glory of God. I like what it says just a little bit further down in Romans chapter and if you want to get encouraged and get excited this afternoon, you got to go home and open your Bible to Romans chapter 5 and read that great chapter of what Jesus did for us. Let me read to you just a few more verses, verses 6 through 10. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, Jesus died to pay your penalty, to pay your sin debt. But Jesus is alive, which gives you hope that someday you too will rise again. I get so excited about this, we named our church after it, Arise Baptist Church, because Jesus is alive. I want to keep that in front of people every single day. He's alive. He's alive. There are a lot of religions in this world, a lot of people serving a lot of things, but there's only one founder of a belief system who's alive even after he died because he rose again. 1 John 5.12 says it this way, He that hath the Son hath life. But listen, there, there's no middle ground here. The rest of the verse says it this way, But he that hath not the Son hath not life. You either have the Son, have Jesus, and have eternal life, or you don't have Jesus and you don't have life. Which side are you on this morning? We're not going to do this, but if all of a sudden I said, all right, jump up, and everybody that has Jesus, run to this side of the room. Everybody that doesn't, come to this side of the room. Which side would you be on? Do you have hope? You know, hope is such a wonderful thing when it's in the right place and the right person. 
And you know, hope is not just a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing, too. The Old Testament saints had hope in the resurrection as well. Did you know that? There's a great text in the book of Job. Here was a man who loved God, who honored God, who served God with his life, and God allowed everything that he had to be taken away from him in just a matter of moments. All of his children were taken away from him. How could a good God let all my kids die? All of his wealth, all of his riches were all taken away. How could a good God allow something like that to happen? Even his friends and his very wife turned on him. Wow. What was God doing? But in the middle of all of that, Job met God. And Job made this statement in Job chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. After he'd lost everything, his friends were coming and telling him, well, it's because you're such a bad person, Job. That's why you've had all these bad things happen to you. In the middle of all that, Job made this statement. He said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin, worms destroy this body, because that's coming. It's not a pretty sight, but it's going to happen. He said, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job had living hope because his hope was in God. Even though everything had been taken away from him, he'd lost his family, he'd lost his wealth, he'd lost everything that was special to him. He had hope in God. And my friend, I don't know where you're at. You may have lost some things that are very special to you. You might be discouraged looking at this world and say, what am I supposed to do? You may have something coming up this week. Or you look at your own past and say, I'm just, I've messed up so much, I don't even know if it's worth it to keep going on. I want to offer you hope this morning. Living hope is made available through the abundant mercy of God. It's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Most people are afraid to die. But living hope gives us confidence in the resurrection that while this body may die, and if it keeps going on, this body will die at some point. But there is eternal life in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's anybody, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, I get excited about living hope. I'm, I'm starting to sweat through my jacket now. I'm just excited because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's made available because of His abundant mercy it's made possible because of the resurrection of jesus christ but living hope i want you to see finally this morning living hope is made sure by the power of god it's made sure by the power of god peter describes it this way in verses four and five he says 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There are a lot of things you can hang on to, a lot of things you can hope in, but there's only one that has all power. It's the omnipotent, all-powerful Jehovah God. And we can have great living hope, confidence, because His power is what holds on to us. I'm so thankful for that because if it was me trying to hang on to Him, I might have let go a long time ago, right? Some of you, maybe you feel like you have let go. I want you to know that He's holding on to you by His great power. We, we love inheritances. I mean, most people do. If you don't want yours, you can give it to me. But uh, we like inheritances usually. But there's a problem with inheritances that you get in this life. And it's highlighted for us here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Inheritances that you get in this life, they corrupt. You could inherit a house, right? Yeah, you could keep that house up. You could take care of it. You could keep it painted. You could fix stuff when it breaks. But eventually... That house is going to fall apart, and it'll get bulldozed. Why? Because inheritances in this life corrupt. They get defiled. They get dirty. Inheritances in this life also tend, over time, to fade away. It's amazing to, to read some of the history, even here in the United States, of some of the super wealthy business families and different people over the years who passed down great riches and assets to their children and grandchildren. But if you follow those families down through the family tree, you know what happens almost every single time? All that money, all that power, all that wealth, it fades away. People lie about it. People cheat each other. People steal from each other. You know, inheritances are great if you get to keep them, but a lot of times people just fight over them, right? Inheritances in this life fade away. And then he says this inheritance in heaven is reserved for you. See, this heavenly inheritance is incorruptible. It is undefiled and it fades not away, it's reserved in heaven for you. I like to take my wife out to go to a restaurant on a date. Even before we were married, I, I like to call ahead to the restaurant. And now I just pull out my phone and make a reservation. And it's pretty slick, right? You just pull up the app on your phone now. You tell them how many people are coming. You tell them, sometimes you can even tell them where you want to sit. Tell them what time you're coming. And then there's often a place for special requests. You might say, well, it's her birthday. It's our anniversary. We'd like to sit by the window. Or, you know, could you have this on the table? You know, we like to do that. 
I like to be pretty slick and smooth when it comes to that, you know. And you feel really good about yourself when you walk up there to the little reception with your date. And they say, oh, Mr. Cover, it's so good to see you. Come on in. We have your table. It's reserved for you. And you look over at your wife and you smile and she's got you by the arm. You walk in. You're feeling like big stuff. Everybody's looking at you, right? If it's a really fancy place, you throw your keys over there to the valet and they park your car for you and you're like, I hope I have a dollar because, you know, I can't really afford this, but we're going to enjoy it while we can, right? And you walk up there feeling really smooth. I remember when we were dating, we, uh, I, was, I was just a poor college student and uh, Shandy came down to visit from Colorado and my dad let me drive his car when we went on our date. We went to this Italian place downtown called Damien's. Maybe some of you have been there. If you haven't been there, it's not cheap, but it's a really great little Italian place. And Dad had just got his first nice car. I don't, you know, having four kids at home and everything else, we were always driving old used cars everywhere. But his boss finally said, you got to get a nice car and you got to, a BMW 740IL, the big long one. It was used, but it was new enough. It looked really good. And he gave me the keys, let me drive that to take Shandy on the date. And we went driving down to Damien's and got out. I'd made my reservation. We walked right up. Oh, Mr. Cover, good to see you. And they took us to this little table over in the corner. And we still remember this date as a very special time in our relationship. We've been back there since then, by the way. Ladies, I still take her on dates even now that we're married. That's a good thing. But uh, we, we get there, and I gave my keys to the valet, and we sit down. We enjoyed a great meal. And after the dinner, it was time to go. And so we went out, and I gave the little ticket to the valet. And we're standing there, and here comes this other couple out of the restaurant. They looked like they were on their first date too. But at that time, I was 20 years old. And this guy was probably 35, so he was old, you know. <laughs> and he's trying to impress his date. And he's waiting for his car, and we're waiting for ours. You know how men tend to do. <laughs> I'm like, well, my date's prettier than his date. And I'm <laughs> feeling good about that. And now we're waiting for the vehicles that are going to pull up. And I knew. I had a little advantage here because I wasn't driving my vehicle. I was driving my dad's vehicle. So I'm waiting to see what pulls up. And here comes this little old beat-up SUV around the corner. And about that time, around comes a Ford Explorer. I thought, this is interesting. There's two of us here. I wonder which car this is. And, and the Ford Explorer got there a little bit first, and, and they got out, and they came over to me and handed me my keys, or handed me keys and said, here you go. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> that's not my car. And the guy over here, he just kind of looks at me, you know, what's his problem? And so they, oh, 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 sorry, sir. And they jumped out, and they drove the car back around. They brought the wrong car, obviously. And uh, before they could get in the little old beat-up car, Around the corner came this big, sleek BMW. It was my dad's car. And he looked at me like this. And, I, you know, of course, you don't look back at that point. You just put your head down, 
walk over around the corner and open the door for Shandy to get in, and she gets in and sits down, and I walked around the other side, got in, and Shandy will remember this, but I, I remember talking to her as we left. I said, that guy, he was so jealous. You know, he was looking at us, and I'm so glad that they brought the wrong car first. He just made it that much better when the right car came around the corner. And that guy went off in his old car. Of course, I didn't even own a car at that point, but it, it felt good, right? Why? Because I had a reservation. But if you've ever gotten up to the front of the line there and you said, well, I'm here, I'd like our table, and they look at you and go, we don't even have your name anywhere on the list. Sorry, sir, you don't have a reservation. Well, when, when can I get in? Well, we're, we're full tonight. Try another time. See, this inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ is reserved in heaven for you. And it's reserved by the power of God. It's an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And you know what? The Bible even tells us Jesus Christ in His own words says, I go to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine what it's going to be like someday to walk up to the gates of heaven and they look down and say, oh, Mr. Coven, I'm glad you're home. Yes, your reservation's right here. It was made not because you deserved it. It was only by God's abundant mercy. Oh, it was made not because you're a great person. You couldn't pay your debt. But Jesus rose again. He died for you. Come on in. And here's your mansion, the one Jesus has been preparing for you. It's ready. Your place is here. It's reserved in heaven for you by the power of God. Have you made that reservation? Are you trusting in what Jesus has done? Or are you still trying to get there by doing good things? By following a religion? By going to church even on Easter? It's not enough. Don't look to the person to your right or left and say, well, if anybody's going to get there, it's going to be me because I'm better than them. No. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Do you have living hope? If you don't this morning, you can. Not based in a religion. Not based in good works, not because of what some preacher or priest has told you, but because of what Almighty God has done for you through Jesus Christ, His Son. And I would invite you this morning, wherever you've come from, whatever you've come bringing with you, to give it all to Him. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you'll come to God today just as you are, you don't have to get cleaned up first, 
You don't have to fix some things and then come to God. You don't have to join the church. No. Come to God just as you are. And say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't have real hope. My hope's been in myself. My hope's been in what someone else has done. But today I understand I need to have my hope in Jesus. Would you confess your sin to the Lord today? Would you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? He will in no wise cast you out. He'll take you in and you will be His child. And He will hold on to you with the power of His almighty hand. Trust in Him today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and the pianist is going to come and play. I've asked a couple of people to come down front here to help me with this. I would urge you, don't leave today without making sure that your reservation is safe. It's a reservation that can never be taken away. There's not going to be someone more important who's going to push you out of line because Jesus died for you. He wants to save you today. So as some folks come up here and the piano plays, let's stand to our feet right now. And you come. Don't wait to see what somebody else is going to do. This decision is not based on what someone else in this room. You and God this morning. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, please come. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, help us now. We need you. There's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior. I pray that they would trust in you today. And Lord, for the believer here that has trusted in you, I pray that you would turn their heart and their eyes back on you. That they would turn their eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. That the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Lord, help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano's playing. You come. Christian, come. If you need to trust Jesus, come. Don't delay. Don't wait. He wants you. He died for you. There's no greater way He could have expressed His love for you than to die for you. like to pray for you this morning if I could more specifically is there anybody that would be willing to share with me just by lifting up their hand saying pastor well I'm not sure I'm not going to put extra pressure on you this has to be your decision but I'd like to pray for you anybody at all that would say by lifting up their hand pastor I'm not sure please pray for me I don't know if I have hope in Jesus or not I'm not sure would you pray for me anybody at all like that this morning I can pray for thank you Thank you. There's been a couple. Anybody else? This is your decision. Please understand that. We're just giving time. But this is not the only time, but we don't know how much time we have. This is the time we have right now. Lord, I pray for those. You've seen their hands. You, even more importantly, see our hearts. Lord, if there's 
a struggle, a doubt, a concern, a question. Pray that before even they leave this place today, that maybe we could help them to answer those questions. Before this service finishes, or even after it's done, as they come and talk to somebody here who can show them from your word, answer their questions and help them to have hope. Lord, you know the need and you can see into our hearts and you can use your word to convict and to pierce and to cut in ways that we cannot do. Your spirit, Lord, has the power to do a work that I cannot do. We pray that that work would be done today. Help us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Some are still coming. You come if you'd like. We, we'll slip out quietly not embarrass you. We want this to be between you and God, but we want to help you if we can. Let's just sing one verse of Just As I Am together. Sing it with me now if you know it. If not, just listen quietly. Just as I am. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we're finishing up this service now. Lord, at least at this moment, your invitation is still open. Continue to do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.